listening to Creeping Wave Radio, a documentation of our decidedly creepy escapades here on Mind. once the mics go off. Well, where is it? Oh, come on, Compass, work with me! Oh, you're hopeless. What do you think you're doing? What? Who's there? <laughs> Stay where you are. I'm warning you. Or what? You'll throw that worthless goose compass at me real hard? <coughs> Keep your voice down, both of you. The mortals are trying to sleep. Mortals? Yeah, those things that are always dying and leaving their bodies lying around for someone else to clean up. Oh, yeah, them. <laughs> I hate those guys. Um, where are you? <laughs> Oh, silly me. I completely forgot to materialize. There. This makes it easier to have a conversation now, doesn't it? <laughs> well, kind of. I'm Margo. Margo. Uh-huh. And you are? Oh, <laughs> I'm Napoleon. Or uh, just Nap. Nap? That's cute. Yeah. Uh, thanks. Uh, uh, so, what are you? Uh, a demon? So what are you? My father's newest pet. Your father? Yeah, that guy you sold your soul to. Your Scratch's daughter? Uh-huh. Though I take more after my mother's side. I'm half human, if you couldn't tell. Half human? So, what? Does that make you like the Antichrist or something? <laughs> no more than you're the second coming. What were you looking for just now? Looking? Oh, uh, my phone. Anatole took it, but I really wanted to check my Instagram, so... Ugh, how disappointing. I'd hoped you weren't as much of a worthless idiot as the others were. The others? It's a shame. You're cute, too. Cute? You... you think I'm cute? <sighs> I was so hoping I would finally have someone to talk to. I get so lonely here. Lonely? Yeah, eternity doesn't mean very much when you have to spend it listening to dad jokes and being lectured about how proper hellspawn should conduct themselves. I'm 2,618, Dad. I'm not a child anymore. Yeah, I, I, I mean, you're not. You're not. The yeah was for your side. Yeah, you're, you're not a child, you know? <laughs> Do I make you nervous? Well, uh, maybe a little. That's funny. Yeah? Yeah. I mean, you and your friends are going to face off against an army of Soviet vampires tomorrow. Probably get yourselves all killed. No offense, but none of you look particularly threatening. Well, that's fair, I guess. But I make you nervous. Uh-huh. Oh, what's this here in your pocket? Uh, um, um, Legos. Let go? No, no, uh, Lego bricks. Um, in my pocket? You see, uh, Anatole told me to build a holster for my phone so we could weaponize it, I guess. And I did. But I had like five bricks left over, see? 
Oh, well, I mean, this one's a Duplo, but... You're going to take on an army of Soviet vampires with Legos and a phone? Well, I've got this cursed gun, too. <laughs> yeah, and how's that been working out for you? <laughs> That's what I thought. And... Also, um, Anatole is installing a reverse Serpan device on my phone, so we can use the vampire's technology against them and, and drain their powers. Ugh. I love my Uncle Anatole, but between you and me, none of the projects he tinkers around with ever actually work. Not how he intends them to, anyway. They don't? He's letting you go into battle armed with Legos now. You have a point. Aren't you the slightest bit interested in looking through my father's collection for something that might give you the advantage? You don't think he'd mind? My daddy? Never. Now, if I could just get a little bit of light in here. There we go. Did you just make fire in your hand? Does that really surprise you? Guess not. Ah, there we are. What? That old phonograph? Not the phonograph, but what's on it. That wax cylinder. Has a recording of the last cries of a dying elder god. Yeah, I know. Your dad was going on about that. It will change you. Mold you in the most fantastic of ways. Don't you think you owe it to your friend Steve to see just how fantastic? What? Steve? How do I owe him anything? You wished you had a grappling hook, and then you shot him with your cursed gun. That was an accident. You shot him with the very gun my father entrusted to you. The same silver bullets you sold your soul for. And now poor Steve is just a mangled length of his spine. Right now he's laying helpless, tangled up in your bag, until you need him to climb something. Okay, you have a point. Maybe even a good one, but in all fairness, you did not see what he looked like before. Why not try the cylinder? This is one of those rare occasions where you really couldn't make things any worse. Wow. Well, when you put it that way... Just help me push this contraption into the other room. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, okay. Let's move this phonograph. <laughs> Here's their room. Quiet now. Good. They're all fast asleep. Wait, they got bunk beds? Nap, let's face it. No one wanted to get stuck sharing a room with you, let alone a bunk. No! If Steve, Adam, and Justin are all in the same room, they're all going to be transformed. And? Uh, well, that's not okay. Is it? Why not? Well, geez, uh, it's like when you pass out at a party and you wake up with dicks drawn all over your face. Except this is considerably worse. Is it, Nap? Look at them. Weak, flabby, indolent creatures. Well, podcasting is more of a mental discipline than physical. You want to throw those doughy simpletons, as they are, into a pit with those vampires and let them just hash things out? You're a lot of things, Napoleon, but you don't strike me as a cold-blooded killer. Well, 
We really don't know each other that well, so... Come on, I'll help you. Just wrap your hands around that crank there. And let's see, where, oh where, should I put mine? Oh, ha, hey. <laughs> okay, okay, that was very forward of you. Wow, <laughs> hey, uh, ouch! Maybe I'll just put my hands over your ears while you turn that crank for me. And when you've finished, you can help me find a better place to put them. Oh, oh. <laughs> I can. I promise. Come on, turn that crank. That's right. Give it a little turn. Now another. All right. I forgot. I recorded my demo tape over this. Oopsies. Oh well, maybe they won't all die an unimaginably painful death. <laughs> Days are degrees of pain. Here comes the night, maybe for the last time. No more kicking and screaming. Is this your day for dying? I'm trying Don't drag me out alive I might survive Another slow motion nose dive Please tell my poison I have arrived Weeks past months Unstripped to years Time keeps wasting Wasting away No light from above The colors fade Two shades of gray And then
Is... is it done? I saw something happening in there, but... Maybe we should go in and check on them. See if they're okay. They're fine. Trust me. Just a little peek. To ease my mind? I've got a better way of doing that. What exact were... Mm-hmm. You... You kissed me. Shouldn't I have? Like, really kissed me. And... <laughs> you have a forked tongue. Uh-huh. Which could make this night very interesting. <laughs> why don't you show me your room? Yeah, why don't I? <coughs> but leave the compass, okay? Right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> guys, so I am here with Margot McGrath, who is the voice of Margot Scratch in Creeping Wave Radio, and uh, she is a musician. Her song was featured in this episode, so we're going to just talk to her today a little bit and find out what makes her tick. Thank you. Hey, no worries. Um, so I guess what I'm really curious about here is, um, can you describe the journey that eventually brought you to start performing and recording? Well, music was my first love. I was fortunate enough to have parents who were very musically inclined. My mom was a dancer. My dad worked with a lot of the best when he was younger. So there's always, there's like Motown and stuff like that playing when I was little and opera at dinner and lots of good things around. They were very encouraging and they, they gave me piano lessons. But um, at the same time, when I was younger, I, I found it something that was pleasurable as a hobby, but I didn't really begin to try and take it seriously until I got near my 30s. I think that was mainly, I had I had such a deep love for it, but I didn't really understand a lot of the things I liked about it or what would inevitably make me a good performer later on. Because when I was younger, I always assumed you had to be technically perfect and an opera singer to do anything good with that. So I was never a shy person and I did a lot of performance art I did some modeling and weird creative stuff, but um, eventually this, the single that you'll hear on the episode, that was with the first band I was in, and I happened to become acquainted with the gentleman in that band just from living in the same town, and we were hanging out and having a conversation one day and talking about music, and I sang him a bit of an old song. It's called Pienza and Me, and... Um, it's a song, if, if you're a fan of the movie Frida, mm -hmm. that's one of my biggest inspirations is Chavela Vargas. Oh, very nice. And she, she was a female singer-songwriter who would sing primarily men's songs, and mm -hmm. she immigrated to Mexico and would carry around a pistol and drink tequila with the men and sing men's songs. So I always looked up to her just like, wow, in, in the 30s to be, and she was one of Frida's lovers as well. Mm -hmm. So to be openly queer, and that aggressive and influential of a singer-songwriter and sing into that late Vinage special. So um, I sing that song for my friend, and he liked it and recorded it on his phone and showed it to an, another mutual friend, and they produced the album that I wound up doing. So 
I guess I sort of stumbled into it just from being a big fan of a lot of different genres and sharing that with people and then finally having someone hear how much I loved how much I loved it and encouraging me to try to do the same. I, I like that you say that you're a fan of a lot of different genres. Um, what kind of music uh, and musicians really inspired you and why? Um, it's all over the board. Like um, one of my mom's favorite artists who I really love still is Tom Jones, mm -hmm. just because he sings, he's saying a lot of great pop hits, you know, they're things that are palatable to the public, but he had such an operatic voice and a, a lot of the Motown artists inspire me. Stevie Wonder is one of my favorite people. Yeah. Like I can, I can listen to him and no matter what mood I'm in, I immediately feel happy um, for contemporary folks. It, and it's funny too, cause we, we all go through different phases. So it's tough to like pick who I like in particular, or who influences me. Cause it definitely depends on my mood at the time. But I think, the common denominator with all the music I like is that it's people being raw and open and honest with who they are. Like they, they express how they feel in the moment, but they do so eloquently and artfully because later on I liked stuff like Harvey Danger and Weezer and, and things like that, which was more just, you know, emotional type of music, but still it was, I enjoyed that in the nineties because it was men being expressive about being depressed or being vulnerable and playing it up in a fun way. So now I know you said that your parents were uh, very encouraging and that you had a lot of friends who were musicians as well. Um, so it sounds like you maybe just kind of gravitate towards that, like your passion kind of brings you into that. Um, but are there people specifically in your life who stand out, who inspired you uh, as friends, maybe uh, family members uh, that we haven't talked about, who, who you think kind of fueled that desire? Yes, actually. Um, well, I, I'd say, and and we can cut this out if you don't want to disclose. But you, oh, hey. <laughs> number one, were a great friend. So I'm like, I don't know if you if you want me to go no, there. But that's like, okay. I I should tell everybody. Yeah. I've uh, I've known Margot since she was probably like 16 years old. Yeah. Yeah. And I was I was telling uh, my friend who I'm collaborating with the other day, you introduced me to the James Bond Peter Sellers soundtrack. Yeah. You played a lot of Danny Elfman for me. You played a lot of Coco Rosie. Uh -huh. And all of those were important to me because it's like you you can scream and shake a rattle and play light percussion and it can sound amazing. Like there's no mm -hmm. conventional way to convey your message. And then later on, um, I'm 13 years apart from the youngest of my family, my brother, but he's a music major with a scholarship at uh, Miracos now and doing a lot of choral stuff and great guitar player and piano player. So I'd say like wa watching him grow up and become more and more musically inclined has been really inspiring. Uh, my partner that I'm collaborating with now, Michael Cry, he's super talented and has also exposed me to a lot of good stuff. I, I you're, you're right, like I think when you have a love for that type of creativity, you just gravitate towards people who have that same passion. Um, also, my my best friend that I've known since I was six, mm -hmm. uh, Becca Jones Starr. We grew mm -hmm. up together, and we, we were always sort of the nerdy kids. And she, I loved her because she was always adamantly passionate about music that was not popular in our in our generation. Like she and a couple of my other friends always were way more into like 60s and 70s rock they started off with the Beatles and the Monkees and then branched out quite a bit from there but um 
I really loved, you know, everyone else was listening to whatever was on the radio at the time. And yeah. <laughs> I'd go hang out with my middle school friends and we'd be watching old movies and listening to that. But it was a good insight because you see, you see what's inspired modern music, but the roots of where that's come from. It's pretty exciting. Yeah. So you talk about uh, artists that you like from the past uh, and one thing I, w I wonder when I talk to a musician is how do you hope that people view you as a musician and artist when those middle schoolers are listening to you? What do you hope that they're taking away? What feelings, what inspirations? Yeah, that's, that's an interesting part because I've learned like you have to sort of detach yourself to an extent from what people see. But I hope that with the stuff I do, people see that I'm being honest in what I convey and that they can relate in some way like it's interesting um, so, some of the so a lot of the songs I write and perform come across as more melancholy but I'm mm -hmm. a pretty jovial person most of the time I think it's important to like have those cathartic moments so for me like I don't really care if they think I'm nerdy or hot or weird or gross like what, whatever they want to take away from that, like aesthetically for me is fine. But if they if they hear what I'm say, singing and say, hey, I felt that at some time and I appreciate that, I feel good. The one song off of the Smoke and Medicine Show album, I did not write the lyrics, but I felt really passionate about the lyrics when I sang it. It was called S Slow Motion Nosedive. And um, that's a, a very dark song. But um, a friend of uh, the gentleman who wrote the music and lyrics to that it came to us shortly after we recorded and put it out there. And he'd been, he'd been suffering through a lot and he had a terminal illness. And he talked to him, uh, the writer, Rick McCracken, and said that he really related to that. And that really impacted me because that was the first time I had done something where, like, someone who was suffering that intensely was like, oh, I heard that and it made me feel better. And, of course, you know, that doesn't that doesn't do anything for anyone's day-to-day, -day, but just knowing, like, people people understand, hey, I acknowledge you and I care that you're going through stuff, that's that's what makes me feel a little bit better. Like, that, that's, I think, why music is so healing. It's... It's a way for us to communicate emotions that are difficult to convey verbally or otherwise. Yeah, definitely agree on that. Now, I know you've got very eclectic tastes, but uh, can you choose one song that you would say right now in this moment is your favorite and for what reasons? Um, yeah, you know, uh, if I might, I might split into two, but one is um, Strawberry Gashes by this band Jack Off Jill. Mm -hmm. They were a Florida-based band in the 90s, and that was a song I heard of them that made me really into them. But I really loved the juxtaposition with them because um, the, Jessica Adams, the lady who's the lead singer in that band, she's gorgeous. And I believe she's a, a visual artist now in Los Angeles, but she would write such raw, honest lyrics and go from like a sweet little girl voice to intense screaming in all of her songs. And Scra Strawberry Gashes... Like, whatever you take from that, you see it's another, like, descriptor of a very brutal situation, but it's this beautiful, like, waltzy, lilting song. Mm -hmm. And then the other song that's been stuck in my head is uh, The Serenade by Schubert, which is a classical piece, but it just, I don't know, for some reason that melody's been meaning a lot to me right now. Very cool. Okay, and let's see here. Um, 
I really, I just, I'm really impressed by like how wide of a, a musical range you have, like how you're drawing inspiration from everything. Because one thing I think I've noticed um, with music lately, and, and I think they've actually done scientific studies uh, on it. I, I'd have to look up the um, article that I'm thinking of where, where uh, music's becoming less and less complicated and mm -hmm. more and more rehashed because they know what people will uh, certain sounds are familiar to people and so they like them and so they throw it into every song yeah <laughs> and um and i i think it's really impressive because i i know so many people who just they, they the song that they like is whichever song is of the moment and that kind of thing and it, it's always just like really is hmm yeah that that's good <laughs> i can't I relate just, dicks butts dicks butts and a <laughs> okay that's a, that's a fine song in the making so. <laughs> yeah, we, we wrote a hit right there <laughs> so. but talking about uh how music is sort of becoming more homogenized um what would maybe one of your struggles uh getting yourself recognized as a musician who does something kind of different kind of offbeat what what's one of your struggles uh, uh I think you sort of nailed it right there. If you, if you do anything slightly off kilter, it's mm -hmm. going to be a little more difficult for it to be palatable for people. And, and I grew up, I, I love the Backstreet Boys and I've watched some of their documentaries and the gentleman who produced a lot of their songs also produced Taylor Swift songs. There is a specific formula as far as key changes and tones and things like that, that are going to make it a dynamic. That's an interesting popular song. And, I was looking at something the other day and they even do like scientific cross sections of fans for different genres as far as like mood and intelligence and this and that, like how, how fans typically lie in that graph and then what type of sounds make a difference for them. But um, I tend to enjoy doing a lot of stuff in minor keys or stuff that's slower. So, so sometimes it's not for everybody, but at the same time, I feel like, I'd I'd like to you know it, um, I'd like to do stuff that's a little more uplifting once in a while, but I just feel like it's important to be honest and and write and sing what what is real for you. Yeah. So. <laughs> but and there's good um we're um part, my music partner and I are doing we like to do a cover by a young Irish artist called Hosier and um he's several years younger than me and he's at least a couple of albums, I think, but he, he's really amazing to me just because he does a lot of very minimalistic stuff and it's minimalistic yet complex and he's had contemporary success. So that gives me faith that like people can still appreciate well done stuff. Very cool. Yeah. I, I, I'm always kind of happy when you, you find people <laughs> that, uh, <laughs> They, they're really appreciating the music and the sound and stuff like that. And it's not just background noise. And yeah. uh, I, I always think that's really important. Um, but uh, talking about that, um, has there ever been a moment uh, when you doubted yourself or questioned your decision to be a musician? Um, every day, but <laughs> it's more, it's more painful. You know, like I've been trying to teach myself guitar for a few years and it's very humbling because you realize as much as the creative component's important, discipline's very important too. And there's a science to all of it and structure, but like you've got to, 
and you know I'm a big fan of Nine Inch Nails and Trent Reznor yeah. now and, and then but I remember some of his stuff where he's talking about like you really just have to let it go and put the pen to the paper and that's that's the most difficult part but like you you really do have to get over yourself and your own ego and just try to put stuff out there mm-hmm. and then do what you may with it once it's out there and it, but I, I think, um, and I've had the opportunity like a few times to to be at good shows and talk to the artists who performed. And what I found endearing is most of the people that I found talented or respected, they still would get off stage and be like, did I sound okay? Was the sound balanced here? And they're, they're, they're still self-conscious and concerned about how they sound yeah. because they care about their craft. Like that, that never goes away. It's just pushing through that to do what you want to do. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. In your opinion, what components do you think make a great artist stand out from the rest of the crowd? We talked about you're a little bit offbeat and things like that, but even people in the mainstream, um, what do you think is that vibe, is that quality that makes somebody just rise above the rest? I I think it is. It's an interesting blend of of confidence, like having enough confidence to put yourself out there but having enough self-respect and self-awareness to acknowledge that you're human and not perfect. That's what makes you relatable to people. Like if, if you try to emulate someone else's voice or style, you're going to sound like someone attempting to do that. Mm -hmm. That being said, there's nothing new musically. Like there's only so many chord changes and instruments and things you can do. So you will sound like people, but if you, you know, like you, you can hear when someone like um, Bruno Ar- Mars is a popular artist I really respect too because mm-hmm. he again he's a big hit generator and you can hear a lot of his classical Motown influences but he's Bruno Mars when he does it and he does awesome visual stuff in conjunction with his stuff like if if you own who you are and acknowledge where you come from it's different than you know it's it's I think it's very trite and overplayed if you're like I'm a classic rock person or I'm a metal dude or I'm a punk rock chick yeah. like we've seen that you know yeah i think i think it gets boring for people it's just like you're limiting yourself you're, you're yeah <laughs> yeah but you yeah. talk about bruno mars or somebody like that and it's just like an intuitive kind of like enchantment i guess uh, uh i know my nieces were in uh the back seat of my car and um i didn't buy you flowers came on and they're just like ooh, ooh. Yeah. and i was like oh that's adorable but yeah they just get into it <laughs> And that's you can feel it when someone knows what they're doing and they just put it out there. It's mm-hmm. it's it's a magical thing. So uh, again, returning kind of to the mainstream music, and and not that I'm trying to crap on it or anything, but uh, when you hear popular music or trends that are going on at the moment, um, what would you like to see? What would you like to see uh, changed? What would you like to see expounded upon? Uh, what do you think is something that people are using as maybe like a catch-all or just, you know, something that they're they're using too much? Um, I'd, I'd like to see, which which is already happening, you know, um, more of an incorporation of all sorts of styles and genres into one thing. Like being less definitive of who you are and, you know, like if if you write one song and it calls for like having hand drums and flutes and this and that and then you write another song and it's going to be more of a techno song great um and i also really respect like my brother introduced me to that band wolfpeck who's very technically oriented and good like 
you can tell they are music theory geeks and they all are like super intense and awesome with their instruments and have different vocalists each time. Cool. Um, another one of my big favorites now from modern guys is Gogol Bordello. Oh yeah. Because <laughs> he, you know, he's just like, he went through so much and just like came to New York and found everyone who was awesome and put them together. And I really, you know, that, that was another thing I grew up with because my parents like the big band stuff and, my mom would always say, like, oh, I love when there's, like, a million people on the stage and they're all doing something cool. That makes me really happy when it's, like, elaborate and semi-chaotic but makes sense at the same time. Yeah. So. <laughs> no, I, I, I agree with you. Um, are you familiar with the band Cats and Jammer? No. Yeah, yeah. Um, they, they're a band, and uh, I'm the country they're from escapes me now. Um, I, I want to say, uh, like, Scandinavia or something like that, but I'm probably totally off. But not not America, not an English-speaking country, but they were all conservatory girls. They went to a music conservatory, ah. and they uh, had this kind of, they fell out of love with music by going mm -hmm. to the school and being put in a position where uh, theory and everything sort of took over what they were doing. And uh, so they came together and they formed their own band. And it's, it's actually interesting. I'd, I'd recommend it to you and to the people at home listening. Uh, if you want to check it out, uh, they, they do some really uh, crazy fun shows as well. <laughs> but, oh, I'm excited. Yeah. yeah, very much what you're talking about is um, it's it's just really creating your own experience. So from the things that you've collected through your life and a lot of fun. So saying that a lot, a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, so, um, how, how do you feel? <laughs> this is just a personal question. How do you feel about the indie voice in music right now? Oh, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Or are we uh, going to expect an album with you doing indie voice anytime soon? Probably not. <laughs> I don't know. And, and uh, <laughs> it's, it's tough to comment on stuff that you view as pretentious without being pretentious. It's but, true, it's true. You know, I feel like there's so much going on in the world that, you know, like like I said, I grew up loving Weezer mm -hmm. and a lot of the, like, pre-emo stuff. But a lot of this wham, poor me stuff with the current political climate, I just mm -hmm. don't find that relatable. Like, there's a lot more important stuff than, like, some girl wouldn't touch my penis, so now I'm going to sing sadly. And that's, <laughs> that's how I feel like a lot of that. I feel like it's, I'd respect the artist more if they just outright came and said that in the song. Yeah, that, that would be a song I would listen to if you if you if that was part of your lyrics. I'd be I'd be down. But, uh, don't pretend something else. Yeah, sad penis song. Yeah, like we've heard enough from the sad penises. Like you, you white sad penises can go get line with the rest. Of the rest. Very cool. So, let's see. Ah, uh, bringing it kind of closing up here. Um, is there anything that you could foresee in your life making you leave music and why or why not? No, I think whether anything good comes of it or not, as far as like accolades or success, that's sort of irrelevant because, um, I do it because it makes me happy. And I've definitely gone through periods where I was more depressed or occupied and not as focused on it, but it still was what would pull me out of that and help me move forward. And, um, I've done a couple of cool shows. I still have a lot I'd like to achieve, but mm -hmm. at the same time, the stuff that's made me happiest is like playing around the house with my family or 
doing open mics with with people I care about or singing songs with my brother to my grandparents like I I make music because it's it's special and it's something to share with people so I I can't foresee stopping that ever so uh where can people see you or listen to your work so right now <laughs> the best place would be via facebook unfortunately on facebook.com slash margo mcgrath music um, as i mentioned before i'm also performing a duo with michael cry mm-hmm. as of yet the band name is still being determined and we're working on demos but i plan on posting announcements there and we're looking at doing our press release and booking a couple of gigs in the upcoming year. But um, for now, the Margo McGrath music is the best way to keep in touch. I correspond with people on there and I like to put up some of my old singles and performance pieces on there. Very cool. So guys, you should definitely check out Margo McGrath music. Uh, She's really great. She's got a lot of presence. uh, And what I love about your videos on there is that a lot of times they're just very raw. Just you feel like you feel (laughs) the music and you start recording. Pretty much a lot of the times, it's like I'm hanging out with my friends. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> so, um, and you, uh, as of yet, have any upcoming shows that you'd like to promote? The project we're working on now, it's going to be a little more minimalist as far as instrumentation and more focused on vocal harmonies. So we've sort of been in rehearsal trying to... Uh, um, that's another band that I'm a big fan of is, of is System of a Down and we're mm-hmm. working on a cover hypnotized by them but in doing that it sort of opened a Pandora's box where we listen to their harmonies and we've been watching videos on different alt harmonies and intonations and how how that affects people and makes it sound so we're sort of in the like study hard and creative genesis phase of that right now i'm gonna put you on the spot here (laughs) um i want you to give me a pitch for your act like i am a producer and and you're looking for a slot (laughs) so if you want someone who can give you the old hollywood feels and glam with with a certain level of sadness yet uplift you in the end that's where you want to go like the stuff we do it's going to help you get in touch with your dark side but it's going to help you move around and feel good and realize that you're not alone so that that's what i like to do like (laughs) we'll take you all the way down and bring you right back up (laughs) hey guys so everybody, make sure that you check out uh, Margaret McGrath Music on Facebook.com. Uh, keep up to date with everything that she's got going on. Um, and if you get a chance, if you are in the, you're in the San Diego area right now? Yes. Yeah. So if you're in the San Diego area uh, mm-hmm. and you get a chance to see her live, you should definitely go check her out. Music's a totally different experience when you're sitting there. I feel like people maybe are a little out of touch with that now because it's so easy to get it through your computer or YouTube. But it's when you're right there and you're interacting with the musician and you it's it's a really unique experience. And you guys should definitely check that out if there's any shows coming your way. So, OK, thank you so much, Margot. It was a pleasure talking to you again. Thank you for having me. All right. Hey, guys, hope you enjoyed that show with our very special guest star, Margot McGrath. Uh, and uh, if you didn't enjoy it, then, well, why are you still here? You should be out doing something fun. Go, go enjoy yourself. Treat yourself, sir or madam. 
But、uh, you know what you could be doing is you could be going to patreon.com/lucidnap and checking out our Patreon and all our perks and crazy fun stuff that you could be donating to and helping out the show to help us put together something that you would enjoy.、Uh, even one dollar helps out so much. So if you want to just、uh, go ahead and become a Patreon, that would be amazing.、Uh, if you can't swing it, then hey, follow us on our social media. We're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. Plus, we got our very own website, theumind.com. So go ahead and check that out.、Uh, the Umind, of course, is our companion piece, which is the、uh, podcast when the microphones are on. What you just listened to is the podcast when the microphones are off. It's a play within a play, and there's going to be some fun, crazy hijinks coming up, some、uh, plot twists, some really interesting stuff. So I hope you'll stay tuned for that.、Uh, things are just really getting to the crescendo here. So okay, guys, thank you so much for listening and.、Uh, Talk to you later. Keep it creepy. <laughs> Bye.